You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Alright, what was the um, discussion? You don't ever understand. The name of the discussion is the before, the after the show I do discussion. understand. I just know that you're going to say it if I say it. <laughs> yes, because it drives me nuts. <laughs> you're so regimented and I'm not. And that's the one thing that drives me bizarre. What, but crazy. What, well, what were What's we this discussion thing called again? The before, the after the show discussion. So we were talking for a while about what it is about people in movies that make us kind of totally absorbed with them like you're totally there with them you like them they're appealing they and i don't mean like movie star people that's not what i was getting at more like you said you're lost in their character you believe it sometimes people are over the top i mean if you watch chicago and stuff like that but then they're good as well because they're over the top of whatever they're doing but then some people you watch and you almost feel like fidgety and uncomfortable like man they're so flat and uncomfortable or unconvincing or unappealing i don't know i don't know i yeah i was just what's the difference between a good and a bad actor i was getting at really um but see i disagree with you on that alone because some people just get lucky they yes. might have one movie where everybody's like holy well, shit well you could say awesome. this a, you could say that about um keanu reeves he fits well into the matrix because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't require emotional it doesn't require any of that really he has the right focus, he has the, like, demeanor, he has the right the everything. Look that, but then when you put him in something that is supposed to be emotional, and I've seen several, it's horribly... It's I don't feel anything. It's I can't get anything from him. I feel like he's struggling. Or he's just not struggling, he's just doing what he does, and that's what he does. Yeah. But then, you But know. that doesn't make him bad. It just makes him unappealing to you. So the thing is, you... You watch people, and some people just just couldn't. Just and like, then, oh, when I watch Jeffrey Rush, I'm just like, oh my god, he just. Yeah, and when I'm I watch Philip Seymour Hoffman, I'm yeah. hypnotized by him. In any role he plays, I don't see Philip Seymour Hoffman. I see whatever he's playing. You know, we've seen him in lots of movies now, and he's mesmerizing to me. He puts himself into the thing. Has there ever been an actor who you were really totally into, or actress, and then you saw a couple movies where they were not grasping you anymore, and then you kind of lost, they kind of lost you? Not a director, movie maker person, but I mean an actor person. No, well, maybe, but I was going to say, a person I can't stand to watch, and we, we said this earlier... Is that because you don't like their acting or you just don't like them in some way? Right. Martin Lawrence is one for me. I can't bear to watch him. I find him unfunny. I find he's trying too hard. I like the Bad Boys movies, just for the -the over-the-top action spectacle, what they are. But he drags it down for me. Like, because I like Will Smith, but then Martin Lawrence is there as well and he's just making... Right, and then other people would say, like, you like Will Smith? Yeah. He's just nothing. Like, he does nothing. So what is it? And then there are people who aren't mega famous and they aren't anything. And you find out later it's like their second or third movie and you are... They they just are fantastic to watch. And yeah. you just... Who knows? It's in, it's intangible. That's what we were getting at. That it's really hard to... Because your question was, if someone put us in front... You said, if someone put us in front of our camera to do a part, we'd be shit. And I said, no, I wouldn't. I'd be uh, terrible. I, I wouldn't. Would, I wouldn't know what to do. 
I would know. You tell me the place, the scenario, so you the go feeling. So you go and do it. Make us a million dollars. Become the next Angelina Jolie. <laughs> That's not what I was getting at. It's more like I would not be uncomfortable with it. I've always been a good liar. If I choose to lie, you will be convinced. You will not even know that you're... Be- you will not... There's no hint of... I'm, not, I'm sure I shouldn't be telling my husband this, but <laughs> the truth is... This is the truth. I can sum it up. Whatever on the front you need. So, you know, I think... I wouldn't necessarily be able to do it in front of a big live audience. But I think if I was someone who wanted me to be in the movie, I could pull it off, yeah. There you go. Because I'm also uninhibited. So if any directors are listening, you're available. <laughs> I'm uninhibited, too. I mean, I'm not afraid to look stupid or silly or look ugly or look... Um, you know, this angle makes my chin hang down. If it's for a movie or something, I don't care. If it's my own pictures of myself... I've been editing a lot of wrinkles out and double chins yeah, there's out. Some but <laughs> hypocrisy going on. Yeah, but if it's because you say to me, I want you to be the lady who runs this crappy old motel and you're a real bitch and you're out, I'm fine with that. I'll look like anything you want, but no problem. And just for the record, I've never acted in anything ever a day in my life, only in real life. <laughs> we act out this life daily. <laughs> yes. All right, so it's Sunday, well, November the. That is deep. Correct. <laughs> So it's Sunday, November the 13th, 2011, or 2011, if you're me. And uh, this is after the show number 198, only two away from the big 200. Hmm. And do you have any big plans? Have you made any arrangement whatsoever to make no. it special? Like like other podcasts who always say, oh, we're, we're getting up to the big 200 or the big 300. I think we should do something. And then do nothing. It's, it's awesome. two weeks away, so I'll do something then. I will right. make an effort. Uh, you'll sing us a cur- Create a song and sing it. How about if I create a scene and I act it out? Okay. So, um, the movie we're looking at this week is Super 8 on Blu-ray. This is a 2011 movie. It's released on the 22nd of November, so it's a couple of weeks away on Blu-ray. Yeah, 22nd? Yeah. We're well ahead of Yeah, we're well ahead on this Heard of the curve. And we've actually had it a week, so we got this one well early. Um, so this is an early review, as uh, they say. And uh, it's a Blu-ray. It's a PG-13 movie. The tagline for this movie is It Arrives, which is a pretty good one because it could be referring to a train or something else. Um, and it's from our friends at Paramount. And now, you, can we not have any spoilers for this one? I think it's I think a we'll good have one. spoilers, won't Because it's really hard to talk about this movie without spoilers. Well, I had had it in my mind how to, but... Had you? Wouldn't yeah. it be so vague it'd be boring? So then just say to everybody, don't listen to this if you haven't seen it. Wait till you see it. Yes. I will say I enjoyed it. I think you did. So if you take our word for it on that, go see it, then come back and listen. Forward about 30 minutes through. Oh, no, no. Don't even give them a number. Because we have no idea. All right. So it's from our friends at Paramount, and you're going to give us the synopsis of this movie. Hmm. A group of young people making a movie, 1979 slash 1980, and... Is it crazy? Yeah, because um, the first event is in 1979, as we later see, because it's on oh, the thing. Oh, then it's several months later. Yeah, so, you know, right, we're on the cusp. We're losing disco and going into the the new age of technology. Someone has a Walkman. And I know the sheriff, what he says is awesome. It's a slippery slope, because the kid's listening to his Walkman instead of doing his work at the apt. gas station. It's, it's <laughs> very apt also to do with, like, film and how film is to how, how kids can just film whatever they want. Oh, really? I was thinking in a bad way that he's getting lazy because of technology and the sheriff's like it's a slippery slope. That's what I'm thinking. I, I was thinking of it. It's on several different levels. 
of how we are today. I think that's a mistake. But that's a little detailed for this part of the show, which is the synopsis. That's it. Some kids making a movie and some crazy shit happens. There are some relationship issues, and it's mostly father, father-child stuff. And um, I find that interesting because if you really think about most movies, the father-child relationship isn't always addressed. Right. It's mostly mother-child or mother or the kid and the parents, but not always the looking at a father and how they cope with certain things. Where we just had Tree of Life, which really deals with the concept of fathering and how you're influenced. And then this is just fathers and their daughter and son. And, you know, I feel like that was a huge part of it. So this is um, J.J. Abrams' uh, big summer movie for 2011, um, produced by Steven Spielberg, as most people know by now. It sounds like it was more than produced. If he was telling them how to make... Um, certain things all kinds of things uh, Steven Spielberg stamp is definitely in this film even the Amblin logo which you have not seen for years makes an appearance at the beginning of the movie Um, so Steven Spielberg's in there isn't he Um, and I've seen an interview on Howard Stern with J.J. Abrams and he said he wanted he literally wanted to write a love letter to Steven Spielberg who helped his career and he was inspired by movies which we're going to mention in our... There's no attempt at all to hide that. No. There is no subtlety. And it's a good thing. It's not clever. No. It's not hidden. It's not like homage. It is straight up from the sentiment, the sentimentality, to the bizarre mixed with real lifeness, the tone of the music. Everything. The, flow, the way everything, it looks. The, the flow whole. of the scene. Everything is, you're, you're watching, in your mind, a Steven Spielberg romantic sort of action-y 80s music, movie. I mean... Um, and it's refreshing to me to see a movie like this one, which is a 2011 movie that takes place in 79-80 that doesn't have the technology of everybody flipping out a phone. Yeah. And I like... It's simpler. It's... You know, it brought me back to being a kid. You know, when I was a kid and I saw E.T. and the Goonies and things like that, it spoke to me on, you know, even back to the future, it spoke to me on a level of, yes, I'm a kid with a BMX. I could get into this adventure. You know, it's, it's, it, I understand these kids. They're kids. They've got bedrooms. The, the biggest thing in their life is writing a homework essay or, you know, there's no worries of anything. It's just, I'm a kid. I've got my bike. And then the truth is, the way Steven Spielberg always puts it in there is that you had traumatic things as a child. I have traumatic things. We all do. And so you mix the innocence and, like, these kids are making a movie. And that's, they're really serious about it. And and they've got all the, yeah, they've got all this stuff to go, going along with it. They're writing the story. That's their big, you know, trauma going on right now. And then in his room, he's got his models that he makes. And it's, like you said, it's encapsulated. And yet, also coping with a very, emotional thing on top so I of could that. always get behind Spielberg's yeah. uh, vision of kids because he did always um, you know implement the adult world on the on the edge of the kids um, and escaping from the adult world by going out with your friends on your bike and you know I could totally get behind that and and that's this brought me back to that because yeah, absolutely you know these these kids are the same as the kids in the Goonies or that you know they've got a focus that they you know the Goonies happen to want to go on an adventure these kids want to make this film. Which you can um, say becomes overused, and yet it feels right. I think we've not seen it 
For, you know what? I, th- I, th- I think it's perfect timing for this movie because we haven't seen it. Nobody really does it. Nobody really copies Steven Spielberg movies anymore. I don't think everything's cool and hyper on the you know, like I say, cell phones and or it's High School Musical and Glee. And yeah, everything's like so cool and contemporary. Nobody really, and, and you know, childhood life now in 2011 is not as simple as it was when we. I lived in a city when I was, you know, 12, 13. Massive city. A massive city in England, Manchester. And still, I couldn't flip out a little thing out of my pocket and talk to my friends immediately. I, If I was somewhere on my bike in the middle of nowhere, we'd gone on a little adventure on the bikes. We were literally in the middle of nowhere. It could get scary. We might get lost. Nowadays, it's all... It's a very different world, isn't it, you know? So... Nowadays, you probably wouldn't even go out on your bike because you'd be at home watching your watching yeah. video on the what? internet. <laughs> yeah, playing a video game. So that's good. You would never get lost. That's what I mean. So it was a different time, and I think this was a clever idea to set it back then because this movie could have been made in 2011 also. They could have just had a contemporary version sure, of sure. this. I don't think it would have been as good because we, we've, all, we've seen all that stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of kids today who have not seen stuff set in the 70s. Because everything's aimed at them. It's all modern and, you know, Transformers. and um, So I like the, the the fact that it was set. And, you know, it appeals to me because it's like my childhood. So, you know, I don't know if it really connects with kids of this, of new kids. Would they watch that and go, what the I think hell, it was no totally cell phones? Or? Because and I would like to think it actually goes a step further to inspire kids. You know... I feel like some individuals find, at a young age, a thing that they attach to. In this movie, we've got kids making a movie. That's the idea. And as you find out in the extras, and and you just know, because Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, even if you go stretch it out, you've got his DP and you've got his, um, the guy who did the composing for the music, they all had cameras when they were 10, 12 years old, 8 years old, making their own stories and movies and special effects. Now that was the late 70s and early 80s. They found a thing when they were young. Kids now, I feel like it's... If you're not shoved into sports, or your parents haven't already carved out for you, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a mathematician, you're going to be an actor. Or a performer. Yeah. That to find that thing in you that you can spend like these kids do, and it's just... The reason I talk about it, it's portrayed in the movie so well... That I think some people might think it's over the top that these kids are able to put together the scenes and write, do their own makeup and stuff. But it's not. That's the thing. You can do these things when uh-huh. you're a kid. If you wanted to sit in your room and make music, write your own music, write your own play, write your own movie and make it or do it or be an artist, you can. And I feel like kids don't get that time in their room to sit and ruminate anymore. You're just either on the computer or you're off a... There's so many basketball practice. It every seems day. like there's so many. It's so hyperactive today's world. Yeah, like it was. It was to... quite slow when I was a kid. You know, we in England we only get a six week uh, break for summer holidays, but those six weeks felt really long to me, and it was lazy days, and you could just go out on your bike and you. And you've described doing your what was it called the Commodore or something or other where you I had would a Commodore sixty four computer for hours typing Ty- in one long thing like. Almost like you had to be slow and methodical. And like J.J. Uh, Abrams said when he was a kid, as reflected in this movie, I want to keep pulling it back because this is what it dredges up in me. 
that he felt, even as a kid, he was developing a craft. And the other guy who said he had to take his film and he would scratch on each film a special effect and then go to the next frame and go yeah, to the next for frame. instance he'd like done a like a stop motion of a rocket ship and instead it got obviously can't animate smoke coming out of the back right. so he scratched the smoke right, onto exactly. the negative which is creative and he, he would have had to have spent and his own idea probably hours you know? sitting alone in his room and focused on back it. in them days you couldn't you couldn't just sit there and go, I want smoke coming out of the back of my rocket ship. Let me look on Google how to do it. Yeah, of course. So you had to come up with a... Cre- That's what I'm saying. People are less creative nowadays, I think, because if you need to know how to do something, you can just look it. I'm not sure if it's less creativeness. It's different. I think that because you have so many distractions, because true craftsmanship and creativity does take time, lots of time to... Well, you know, you can look at like um, there's a there's a theme here because a lot of the we've seen a lot of Blu-rays and we've seen a lot of um, directors talk about the early days and the ones that we the greats as we call them you know people who really stick out Steven Spielberg J.J. Abrams Tim Burton we've seen um, extras about them where they show you when I was a child. I had a cheap camera that I borrowed off my dad or I used to take it out from under his bed without him knowing and I would film things and here they are and they do have the, you know, we saw Tim Burton's like original black and white films that he made in his bedroom and there's a creativity to them. It's not just he filmed his brother like, you know, messing around. It's like... Yeah, you're not just jumping off the roof of your house into a yeah. bunch of chairs and put on YouTube and be like, oh, look at this, we're creative. Because you're not. And some people would say you're that's also filmmaking, but... But it's not. No, not not in a creative kind of way. It's not. It's just filming something, but yeah. yeah. it's filming something. But yeah, all these directors that we're familiar... The big ones, they always had this. You know, so now we're talking about all this because that's the that's the grounded in... The emotions come from this. You feel for these kids and you want... You you get it. They're on this mission to make a movie and then... Do you say we're going to say... We're going to talk about what happens fully? Yeah, there's spoiler for, a spoiler We're really going to say stuff that if you if you were like me, I didn't know what was going to happen, so I wouldn't listen any further. We did see the trailer for this, mind. Yeah, but I don't remember anything about it at all. Right. I, I didn't remember Well, the was trailer was kids. actually pretty good because it didn't show you the kids... It showed you. Let's. We're going to talk spoilers from now on. The teaser trailer we saw, probably a year and a half ago, was just the train dra- going. You know, that's the train noise. <laughs> it's just the train going down the track very fast. A weird noise occurs, like like this weird, not of this worldly noise, and then the train starts to crash, and then it just cuts to the Super Eight logo. That was all it was. You didn't even see the full... But you knew something weird. Something weird. I think weird I do remember a trailer where the one of the cars is going up because of the magnet yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, And people no. are, like, looking over at it. Now, that I do remember, but I didn't remember anything else, so... Right, the teaser that we did see, though, was just literally the train. And that was it, going down a track. And it crashes. And then it cuts, quickly. Uh, so you know there's a train and a crash. And there literally is a train. <laughs> one of the best train crashes I've ever seen. Massive crash, yeah. Um, I thought to myself... This is one of the things I thought when they showed you the train crash. I've seen train crashes in other movies. And I always think, well, trains are really long. There's lots of carriages. And whenever there's a train crash, it's very short. I don't feel like I see the full devastation of a train crash. In this movie, 
I felt like I saw every single carriage crash. Mm-hmm. It went on longer than a normal train mm-hmm. crash. If you see real pictures of real train crashes, they don't all crash. No, but in a in a movie, yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> you want to have a dramatic train crash. Generally, they're very brief. You know, like the uh, tube station one in Diad 3. You know, it's brief. It's interesting. Or in... Um... We just saw a runaway train that had one... Yes. Uh, or a couple of cars. Not runaway train. <laughs> unstoppable. Was it? Yes, called unstoppable. What was runaway train? I don't, I don't know. Not that one. <laughs> I know I've seen a movie called I've runaway seen runaway jewelry. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was not about a train. But anyway, the train and the crash in this, really excellent, I thought. Well done. Um, only thing that bothers me about J.J. Abrams is the lens flare. I think he could lose a bit of that. It's kind of annoying to me after a while. That didn't bother me. The blue lens flare. Uh, apparently, and I've not seen the original... I've not seen the new Star Trek that he did. But apparently it inhabits every single frame in Star Trek. Yeah, he just likes it. Um, it's this blue... Every single frame. Star Trek, yes. Apparently it's overwhelming in Star Trek. He did it a lot here, too. And it, I only some, noticed about four times. Sometimes encroach... No, if, it's more than four times. I mean, I was looking at it's it the even, entire time. Yeah, obviously. And there's small, there's even small scenes where it occurs, where the, where he's sat in his bedroom and the lamp starts doing it. It doesn't do that in real life. It does if you're making a movie. It does if you're making a movie. <laughs> but um, anyway, this, the train crash was done really well. And then, what ensues after the train crash? Are you asking me? Well, the kids at that point are stumbling across something big. And let's say the military's involved... There's the train sort of... is transporting from a- Area 51. You don't find this out until later, though. I just feel shitty saying it, but I guess if you're We're listening... Just gonna, you're the not... train is transport... It's a transport train. Tr- uh, government train from Area 51 to undisclosed location. They're taking it... If you actually think about that, why would you be taking something from Area 51 to somewhere else? Because Area 51 is where you keep that stuff. I don't know. Hmm. Are we just going to tell them the whole thing, then? Yeah, we already said we're spoiled. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, you don't want to tell somebody the whole story of a movie, right? Right. No, I'm just saying, like, I don't know we're going to say everything. You don't have to plot <laughs> point, but I'm saying what happens is, uh, all right, a creature. The train crashes and a creature escapes. The creature um, then is the focus of the rest of the film. But it's not, it's not really. No. The focus of the film is the kid's relationship. In the same as The Goonies... Is an adventure story, but the main focus, if you always go back, is the relationship between the kids. Same in Stand By Me, same in mm-hmm. E.T. It's not, E.T. is not really about E.T., it's about the kids. The kids, and what the kids do in this child world, opposed to the adult world that's horrible, and how they shelter this... See, I guess this good, you could also make the argument now, okay, uh, this is getting a little boring then. Because we've always got the kid world versus the jaded, conspiracy, shitty adult world. It's every true. single time. It is. And, and that you're up against... Yeah, them. but that's why I'm saying Super 8's great because it hasn't been done since those movies in the 80s. Right, but I'm saying it has been done. So what makes it Well, I just think this was the perfect time to do a throwback to that kind of... They didn't just remake E.T. or something, which would be a horrible idea. They... That's a good tribute to those style of movies. And it it resonates perfectly with our age group, because we grew up on those movies. We're in a different frame of mind now, because we're adults. So we don't look at the world the same as when we did when we watched E.T. 
when I watched E.T., E.T. was real in my eyes. I mean, it was... I didn't watch E.T. till I was an adult. See, and I literally watched it when it came out. And to me, I was watching a story from a kid's point of view, you know? Right. Naive kid, like, this is a real thing. Like, these are real people and this happened. It's kind of that kind of scenario. Now, you obviously can't watch Super 8 from that perspective. Yeah. Um, But I did have the feelings of those movies when I was a kid, which is a good feeling, right? Because they were all good. And that made it come up in you again? Or do you now like, see the adult side of things more? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, but you know, like when you're a kid and you watch E.T. And when the government turns up and stuff and you're like, oh my God, the government's a shitty. They're going to take E.T. and hurt him and stuff. As a kid, you're like, leave my E.T. alone, you horrible people. And in this one, we've also got the government um, coming to hurt or disable. Yeah. And you, but you have a, you still have that, I still have that feeling that the man is horrible. (laughs) The man. Stay away from, you know. Well, in this case, they've got to do something. But like when you're a kid and you're watching, I wasn't a kid when Goonies came out though, that's the thing, I wasn't a little kid or anything. Um, You would have been an 11 year old or whatever. Uh, I don't think so. What year did it come out? I don't know, I feel like I was about 10 or 11, 11 maybe. When the Goonies came out? I think it was a teenager. Hmm. But um still but you still don't teenager. grasp like in this one group of kids midnight go out in the car to a desolate kind of place to do their movie and my mind is oh my god those kids are they shouldn't go out at midnight and do that shit they it's dangerous that is so dangerous. I, I didn't say that. So Absolutely. I, I was thinking I was one of them and this was ju- just you know, this is also. Awesome. I would like to have that feeling again of yeah. like, well, of course we can. Just well, I was do with them, and I was kind of like, yeah, I snuck out when I was a kid too. You know what I mean? No, I never did. Yeah, I did. I didn't have to, but. And I thought, you know, it is kind of exciting because, like, you know. Oh, I get that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying as a grown woman, though, and knowing people with lots of children. What I'm saying is definitely thinking of them taking off in the middle of the night to go do something. Obviously, that go something goes very wrong. It's terrifying. Yeah, what I'm saying is I'm 42 years old and I was definitely taking the ride from the kid's perspective. I think that's a man thing. Maybe there's less responsibility in that. Which I really like. getting around. I like that. You know, that they can yeah. bring that back, that I'm, st- I'm a kid. I, 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 the ki- there's just one scene where the two kids were riding around on the BMX. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of them had an identical BMX to I had when I was a kid. And I all of a sudden was like, I remember riding around. Did with you my... stand up a lot? Yeah, all the time. Because it seems yeah. like in all his movies, the boys always, always stand up. Always stand up, yeah. I never did. Yeah, you get more traction if you stand up, you know? Oh, no. So, um, yeah, and that scene was like, I'm 11 years old, I'm riding on oh. my bike, you know? So, yeah, they definitely brought that. Now, special effects-wise, I think they brought... This was an interesting-looking creature. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, One of my favorite aliens of all time. And I, I have a list. Yeah, and I, I like... <laughs> Um, that some could say, oh, I don't like that. But I do like this, that they didn't reveal it all. Like, they didn't immediately... You saw something, like you say, it's dark, some tentacly thing, you don't know what it is, and then slowly throughout the movie you see bits and pieces of it. I really loved the idea that it was taking all the power lines from the the small town. It's a small town kind of place, right? And when a guy's just like, all the power lines are disappearing and the, this but power... not cuts. the poles, just, just the wire. Just the lines, yeah. Just the wire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting stuff it was doing. There was some 
horrific kind of moments, you know, but it's still played like a a movie you could show to kids. It's not sure. too overpowering. I mean, yeah, it's intense. There's one F word. Yeah. Which seems to be the thing these days with PG thirteen movies. You can have an F. All the Transformers movies have one F. It came out of the dude smoking pot who makes him look like a complete idiot. So fair enough. I do. I did like that when the kids said doing yeah. drugs is bad. You know, <laughs> this is why doing drugs is bad. Yeah, like because you will just not be aware of anything yeah. when shit goes down. Um, so yeah, the, it, it was just fun. I thought really fun and really just constant. My heart was just. I was totally in it. Like. Um, not 100% from the kid's point of view, except that I wanted to. So I was kind of tugged that way. But just the adventure of it and the the heart... I was heart-pounding and I loved I loved it. I loved every single bit of it. And I also think that the... Not giving away. The final scene. The very final scene. And the very final scene of E.T. I got the same kind of feelings from that too. Right. Perfect music. Almost similar, almost like I'm watching, I'm listening to the same music from my childhood. You know, the John Williams stuff that you're familiar with. Don't know who did the music for this one, actually. But, um, you know, the scene. Yeah. I guess when you say it that way, though, then I just, I guess the skeptic in me comes out and says, okay, then what's the point? If everything we're talking about lines up with all these movies we've seen before. It's just enough time has passed. Yeah. For it to be done, you and can't it do it. A, you can't do it next year. And it has enough viciousness. Yeah, so that it's, it's not the same. It's, I mean, it's seventies, eighties, but yet the special effects and everything are obviously today's. Why can't you do it next year? Because you don't. I think enough. Time, oh, I mean again. Yeah, to yeah, do a tribute okay. to a Spielberg movie kind of thing. You don't want to do it again. It was just the right. Seemed like the perfect thing, you know. J.J. Abrams obviously having similarities with Spielberg because his first job ever, J.J. Abrams' first job, he said this on Howard Stern, so I already knew this. Was he Steven Spielberg had made Super 8 movies when he was young to to develop his craft, like you say, you know, as a, as a young filmmaker, you get your hands on a camera, start making things. Steven Spielberg had also done this same process, but with eight millimeter film, not Super 8. And when he heard... J.J. Abrams also did these Super 8 movies when he was a kid. And then he got in, like, a magazine, like a magazine article saying, you know, these are the kids to look out for. They're making movies on their own, off their own back. These are, you know, talented kids. Steven Spielberg obviously got wind of this somehow and then phoned J.J. Abrams up as a kid, well, teenager, and said, I've got some Super 8 movies in my library. I mean, 8mm movies in my library that need repairing and we know you you're good at this kind of thing so he did that for Steven Spielberg never met Steven Spielberg which was interesting did that job but never met him then many years later they did meet each other and Steven Spielberg said yeah you're that kid who yeah. you know you're the kid who fixed my movies up and when he was talking about it on Howard Stern JG Abrams couldn't believe that somebody like Steven Spielberg would give all these they're priceless kind of things, like the the movies Steven Spielberg made before he was Steven Spielberg on these precious film. There's only one copy of them all, and he mailed them all to him to to fix them up. So he couldn't he couldn't believe that, you know. So there's all these parallels, isn't there, between filmmakers and I never messed with Super Eight myself. I no. did mess with VHS. We had a VHS camcorder. I used to film toy soldiers having battles and stuff myself. 
Did you do any of that? No. I filmed loads of it. Because we had a VHS camcorder. Massive it was. It was yeah, freaking yeah. massive. Like it, like, it was heavy. You could barely... To put it on you as a kid, it was huge. I used to film like get all my Star Wars figures out and film scenes from Star Wars. I always did that, <laughs> so I had a mess with you know, but not to get to this level. Nice. So um, yeah, I I really love this movie. Big surprise for me. I wanted to see it when it came out in the cinemas, but we went and see Transformers Three instead. Um, I think I would have rather seen this. Really? I did. I like Transformers Three. Yeah, but, but I'd rather see this in the privacy of our home theater. Yeah, it yeah. was good. Um, so I, I I love it I've got to say I love it I think it's rewatchable I think Absolutely. it's because of the time period they chose timeless in a way because if it was just today like a 2011 thing I don't think it would have been as good I know it's nothing clever about taking something in the no. past but I think just think they did it so well the outfits the whenever they do a period film in the back of my mind I'm always thinking there's a Ford F50 just there up the road next to that car. We just can't see it. But I never had that feeling in this one. Did you? What do you mean you don't see it but you think it's there? No, I sometimes have the... This street has been decked out to make it look like 1970. But in this movie, I never had that thought. I do in some Oh, ways. right. In this movie, I was just like, oh, it's 1970. Nine. Right. Some movies, I think... Yeah, that's an interesting looking 70s street, but just out of shot, there's, you know, cell phone, a big thing with a load of cell phones in. What are you saying? Like things you can't see, but you're just imagining them? I do sometimes, because it doesn't feel right. Oh, yeah. Do you get what I mean? Like, it just feels like everybody's got, like, 70s clothes on. It's like an ideal, idyllic look. This one, it was very, it seemed right to me. Even the kids look, the way they chose kids. I know you can do a lot with hairstyles and stuff, but... You know, it seemed right. So um, let's move on to the cast here. Ellie Fanning, who is uh, Dakota Fanning's sister, plays the main girl in here, Alice Daynard. She's fantastic. Probably alongside the the guy who plays Jackson Lamb, the best things about the movie. Sure. I mean, she's really good. Like, um, there's a scene where she has to act out a scene yeah. <laughs> from the zombie movie on the train platform. Yeah, and she's very good. and the idea is they don't really know if what what she's like. She's she's come and they say, "Well, here's what you got to act. Have you read your lines?" and she says, "Yeah." And she gets up and she's kind of mind-blowing to yeah, to yeah. the boys like. I mean, they're used to like the boys who are yeah. just really wooden and stuff. Yeah. And she just literally delivers a performance and they're all like She's like, is that okay? And they're yeah. like, yeah. And she's like real understated. Like, she doesn't even know if it's good. So but, she has um, to be an actress in, and being an yeah, actress in anyway. Yeah. An actress in, it's a, um, what do you call that? Don't know. I think it has a name, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, and then there's another scene. Uh, yeah. An emotional scene, which... Um, See, I think, I'm not correcting you, so don't take it the wrong way, but to introduce a young actress as someone's sister before you even talk about her, I think is really unfair. It's like saying... This is so-and-so's son. Oh, now we'll talk about them. As if that part of them is more important. Because I had no clue who she was. Not even by a look? Not, nothing at all. No clue. And, and I don't give like a shit a... whose sister she is. But once you say it to people, then there's like this thing. And I know a lot of people give a care about it. And, oh, well, now she's got it. You know, I think, um... Because huh. she totally stands out. And no, I had no clue. No clue. I don't know who any of them are. Hardly. I knew a couple of the actors, obviously. Truman's friend and... 
So Ka- Kyle Chandler plays Jackson Lamb, and, and I say good. I don't know him at all. Hmm. He's a new. As far as I'm concerned, I've never seen him in my life. I might have on something, but he was great. I mean, you have seen him in the Changeling. Yeah, as a boy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was in Changeling with Angelina Jolie as the boy. Briefly, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I don't remember the boy. Because no. the boy's not in the movie mainly, right? Just a tiny little. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, like, I'm thinking when I saw E.T., I'd also never seen the kid who plays Elliot. He was a nobody to me too. Right. In fact, everybody was when I watched E.T. I don't know any of them. I'm a kid, right? I've not really seen much. They weren't anything. No, they weren't, were they? No. <laughs> no. Um, so, they, yeah, this guy, Kyle Chandler, he plays some awesome scenes against Sally Fanning. Absolutely. Uh, probably the best scenes in the movie, to be honest. And then he does action well, too. There's some really crazy action scenes. Mm-hmm. When the... Um, I can't fault anyone, actually. I mean, then a couple of the boys are kind of boyish, but then I think that's I think fine. that's what he wanted, because they're boys. Because it's suited to them, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Riley Griffiths plays Charles. So, yeah, I don't... Which He's one? the director kid. He is. It's and he, name. like, occasionally I was like, he sounds like he's reading off a card. But then I was thinking, well, that's right. He's a director kid. and He's real bossy and he's real, yeah. Yeah. And he, they're just kids. Kids don't talk. Exactly. You know, kids get nervous. I mean, he's in a situation. He's directing all these kids. He's stressed out, like, you know. So, yeah, I, I liked him too. Um, and, you know. If you stay, stick around after the credits for this movie, mm-hmm. you get to see the actual zombie movie yeah, that the yeah. kids made, which is worth staying for. Because uh, I was all the way through the movie. I kept thinking to myself, I want to see the rest of the movie movie, what they were making. Their movie, their 8 millimeter movie. Yeah. Super 8 movie they're making. Um, so we got Ryan Lee as Carrie. These are all the boys. And is everyone that- has their personality, just like they do in every other movie with a group of kids or a group of grown-ups. Let's be honest, it's... Yeah. If you got a group of grown-up dudes out on a mission, each one has a very strong, stereotypical personality. These kids do. And this, this kid's kid into explosives. Firecrackers yeah. and blowing things up and catching things on fire. Yep. Zach Mills is Preston. He's um, like the nerdy, afraid of everything, I think, yeah. He plays like the um, husband of no, the... No, president. Oh, the, the president. one who's on the phone in yeah. the background, yeah. Um, and then Kyle Chandler is Jackson Lamb, and he's like the father of uh, young... Oh, they're both called Jackson Lamb. Interesting. Hmm? They're both called Jackson. The father and the son. Oh, right, right. Um, and I put police guy in brackets because he's, he's a police officer. Um, yeah, interesting uh, relationship between the son and the father. Oh, you forgot the other father. He's the guy from... Uh, wasn't he the guy from... Was he from? Five dollars a day or whatever? The father with the long scraggly hair. I don't, I don't really recognise him. I thought, oh, yeah, he, totally. I thought he was Miley Cyrus's dad. No, no, no. He's the guy from $5 a day, I believe. The son. Look, Chris, Christopher Walken's son. I think that's him, isn't it? That guy's totally different to me. He doesn't even... Is it? Hmm. I'll have to look it up. But no, you've seen him totally, totally. So yeah, Kyle Chandler plays this the father, the... Uh, sh- sh- no, just police officer. Um... And there's an interesting... Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil that, guy. It's a nice, nice plot. Um, <laughs> You've already said everything else. <laughs> yeah, but it's a nice... There's yeah. no point in me spoiling that. The interesting... Um, the opening scene of the movie kind yeah. of explains the entire thing. Um, well, sort of. Noah Emmerich, who you see cr- cropping up in all kinds of shit, uh, 
most notably for me, um, Truman's friend in the Truman <laughs> Show. But in lots of things. And he always um, kind of plays an asshole. Yeah, what was he in recently where uh, he was in the workplace and he was... Oh, Clive Owen. Where, Clive his, Owen. where his daughter had been sexually assaulted. And he was, he was oh, his yeah, friend at work. Yeah, he was the jerky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the so boss. he popped up there too. That was... Um, what was the movie called? Trust. Yeah. So yeah, he's there and he plays a... Like a sergeant major? Uh, what is he? Like he's a, a government military, military guy. Uh, trying to cover up the uh, details. Um, do you like the little cube thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of a... Interesting concept they barely touch on, but that's the that's the kind of the beauty of this movie, is that, and others like it, like you said, that the extraordinary thing that's happening, it's sort of just touched on, and it causes the tension, and it causes the conflict, and all that kind of stuff, and yet... What you're really paying... You're not even focused on that. You're focused on these people and they're so Steven Spielberg's famous for having MacGuffins, as he calls them, in his movies. Something that might mislead you slightly and then he drops them. Like, even in, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff. There's stuff in there that doesn't go anywhere. It's just to throw you off the scent of the, the plot. Hmm. I feel like this block might have been... This cube thing might have been his J.J. Abrams tribute to the MacGuffin incident. I disagree. The block is huge because it's the thing. It is, but it's not. It's it, part of it. Like, well, it is, but it's, <laughs> but it, it like you say, it's not detailed in any way. It's just a thing. It's not explained. No, in fact, nothing's explained. It's totally explained. The is blocks. It? Yeah, I must have not been watching that. Yeah, the blocks. Um. Yeah, I want, yeah. But what nobody sits down and tells you anything about the blocks, is what I'm saying. Yeah, they, on that film, what they're watching with the old, the black and white film, he explains completely that those are, like, a thing that yeah, but is his, all of his it, technology. No, it's his technology. Yeah, I know To that. rebuild his ship to go, I mean, that's all, that's the only explanation what you all, need. What I'm saying is, uh, I guess I'm wrong. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm saying that, that was the explanation. I'm just thinking that's the MacGuffin of this movie. Oh, I disagree. Because it's nothing to... It's everything to do with what he needs to leave, though. It is. Like, it's part of it, you wrong. know? I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I'm saying I am wrong. Because I was thinking he was... Tra- I was thinking about Steven Spielberg just then. Steven Spielberg's trademarks. MacGuffin. He tr- he's, I don't know if he... I think that came from movies of the 40s and the 50s. Absolutely. He didn't invent it. He didn't invent it, but he likes to incorporate it. And I was thinking that the block... Even though the block is explained, now I think about it. Not in detail, just in passing. Yeah, I'm wrong. It's not the MacGuffin. So <laughs> maybe there is a MacGuffin, but it's not that. What's a MacGuffin in uh, Indiana Jones? Um, in Indiana Jones, it's the Ark, right? Because it's not about the Ark, is it? Um, what do you mean? Well, I don't want to give that movie away right. as well. But it's, <laughs> the movie's not about the Ark of the Covenant. It's about something more, much more sinister than that. Oh, true, true, but so the, yeah. so when you're thinking, it's all the adventure's all about the art. Well, actually, not. Um, it's a, something much more. Yeah. So the, he tries it's to throw you off when, and then something much. Indiana Jones Four. Yeah. There's one there too. I'm not saying it's a good one. But there <laughs> is. So, um, directed by J.J. Abrams. 
We were fame. We know directed Star Trek, Mission Impossible Three, which I definitely think is the best. Well, it's a very good Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Four comes out next month as well. Um, and he also did the TV show Lost and Alias. We all know him by now. Very famous. Do you like his direction? Um. I think it's fine. I think once you start reminding me that he did Lost and stuff, and I find it really obnoxious. Well, he didn't that direct sort Lost. Of he not created Lost. Right. Um, he, he basically created Lost, then left it to these other two fellows. Okay. Yeah, so... And they're the ones that twisted it around. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He created the... Concept r- of people getting stranded on an island? And... <laughs> Weirdness yeah. happening? I'm not sure if that's still... Alias is his thought. Felicity also did... Didn't watch either of them at all. Um, but yeah, I, I actually think he got really good performances out of these kids. Mm-hmm. And when oh, I, I saw the extras of him working, he seemed, I mean, very brief, what I saw, but he seemed like a good director. Because I think if you're going to direct kids, and a lot of the kids, I mean, you can say, look, some kids know a lot, but they don't know everything. No. And they might have been to acting classes and stuff, but they're young kids. So you've got to coax it out of them, haven't you? You've, and he really was doing that. You could tell. You've got to act a certain way around them to get the best from them. I'd say. Treat, then, them like, yeah. treat them like adults, I think, in a way, but also have a, a fun side to you. Not And appreciate that they don't. They're not adults. I think he seemed to get that. And plus, you know, these are actors, performers... Who are the age he was when he was starting his craft thing. And so he understands. I mean, they're building their future, right? As a young person. I think he seems to have a lot of respect for that kind of thing. So, um, Blue- Their origins. Blu-ray extras here, as it likes to say on the front cover. It's got like a film canister and it says, um, over two hours of bonus features. And there are, that's not a lie. There are quite a lot of yeah. bonus features. So, um... Uh, it's a double disc set, and one thing I was saying to you I'm really like is the slipcover is different to the cover art underneath it. And the slipcover makes it look like a Kodak Super 8. Um, but you didn't know that until you saw the movie, box. right? No, I said to you uh, that I said to you the other day that looks like Kodak film, the colours. Mm. And I knew that that was why they'd done that. Alright. Um, so, the... Uh, Extras are, there's a thing called Deconstructing the Train Crash, which is like a Java BD applet, which um, it has a big, like, train line. It's supposed to look like a, uh, what do you call it, a timetable for trains, where it shows you the map of all the train stations. But each, like, point on the map is something. It could be a picture, behind-the-scenes picture, a concept art thing, an interview with somebody... But it deconstructs the entire train crash from concept to post-production all the way through. Um, I think you could spend a good time messing with it. Mm, I mean, like you said, a lot of it's just pictures. It is. And so, I don't know it's if like it's... like a catch-all for everything that they couldn't But there's fit no in. play-all, like you said. It's And every time you click on one thing, then you have to go with this... Junk Animation. Where the doors open up to the vault. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, but if it's just for a picture, and you can't just say then next, 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 you have to go back out to the main menu and back in. That's my that'd be my only complaint. Other than that, it looked like a lot of if you were if you're a young filmmaker person, and you're like, holy shit, how they do that? I think that would be really good. 
And then there's eight featurettes um, which explore the origins of the story, casting, creating the uh, creature, and more. Um, very good featurettes. Um, the type that I kind of like because they're, they're very informative. You even got Steven Spielberg in these featurettes. Um, the one I particularly enjoyed was actually about the origin of Super 8 film. They showed you the old camera. They showed you the film stock. Yeah, yeah. They showed that you how it's good. used, you know. Really good. Like, um, And then there was one which showed you some of their old Super 8 movies. The, you know, Abrams um, is the guy who made Cloverfield and Steven Spielberg, you know, bits and yeah. pieces of their stuff. Uh, so, you know, when it says two hours of behind-the-scenes stuff, most of that is these featurettes, because they are quite lengthy, and there's eight of them. Um, and then there's 14 deleted scenes, all in HD. And you know what deleted scenes are. There's a lot of them. So if you were, you know, hoping for deleted scenes um, from Super 8, you get your wish here. There's a J.J. J. Abrams uh, commentary on the whole movie. Mm. So it's a pretty decent... I bet um, you'll watch it again, won't you? Yeah, I will, actually. It's a pretty decent set. Um, it's got a DVD and a Blu-ray. Um, I say own it, because it's the... For me, it's like a it's a classic movie. Right. It is, though, to me. It fits in with... It. I'd stick it on... I'd have a movie day where it included Goonies, Stand By Me, and um, <laughs> E.T. and that. It doesn't have the same... The same I think it's just because you're older. No, I disagree. It doesn't have the same... Mm, I don't know. I disagree. It has a lot of heart, but not the same gut heart. I don't know. So I do love it. I, I really like yeah, it. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It's, you know, of these big popcorn blockbuster movies this year, it's right up there for me. And we've seen most of them. Well, we've got another one to see next week. But we've seen most of them, mm. you know. So it's right up there because I think it's not typical of what you would expect. No, true. Um, well, after we've just compared it to a bunch of movies, that it's basically a carbon typical copy. to movies <laughs> from the seventies and eighties, but not typical from today's movies. It's a like a throwback, but also got a balance of but action also and... got these amazing, you know, up to date special effects that movies like ET obviously don't, right? Um. So, yeah, conclusion, I really liked it. I loved it. Um, so thanks to Paramount for the Blu-ray. Um, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com and enter a contest. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Captain America, the first Avenger. Gearing up to the um, Avengers movie that comes out next year, we need to have seen all the uh, Marvel movies that fit into that universe, so we know all the characters. Have uh, we? Yeah, so far. We just need to see uh, Captain America and Thor. Which oh, we've right. not seen it. That and then then we're up to speed. Iron Man we've seen. Hulk we've seen. What's the other one? It's not the same Hulk though. Some will be the same. Nope, it's never the same Hulk. Every Hulk no. movie is a different guy. It's Bill Bixby in the next one. <laughs> That's that'd be a good trick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, movie tagline fun. This is a um, section of the show where we t- say a tagline to a movie, and the other one tries to guess it. And what's this- the tagline? Mr. A. Tagline is a, like a promotional uh, thing for a movie. <laughs> okay. Exactly what it says. So when a, the tagline for the movie Super 8 is, it arrives, it's printed on the poster, it's on the uh, trailer, it sums up the movie in one line or two. How many lines can it be? Two? 
Usually one, but... It usually is one. Anyway, the movie tagline for this week, and if you want to play along at home, just listen to me say this, pause it, and try and guess. The movie tagline is, The Horror, The Horror. This is this a comedy? Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> it is. It's not a comedy. Oh, are you sure? Absolutely. It's as far from a comedy as you could possibly get. Right. Oh, as far from. There's the nothing horror. funny about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Have I seen it? Uh-huh. The horror, the horror. It's got to be really bad then. Really horrible. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it was the, taking the piss, but... It's pretty horrible. Really horrible, eh? Um, War of the Worlds? No. In the same vein? No. Something more horrible? Than humans being farmed for their blood? <laughs> the title, The War of the Worlds, could go into it somehow. <laughs> but not really. <laughs> of... The movie's from the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, really? Okay. I I think it's late 70s, though. Okay. If you want to guess. Late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. It's horrific. It's around there. It's a horror movie. No, it's not a horror movie. It's a war movie. (laughs) It's a what? A war movie? Yes. But Apocalypse Now? Yes. Those are the la- those. Because that's the only horrible, horrible. Like, those are the final lines. What um, Marlon Brando mutters. The, the horror, end. the horror. Oh yeah. When he's freaking okay. out in the camp. Well, I got it. Correct. It did. T- it did Ask give you a lot questions. of clues. <laughs> but now that's. I think I've guessed three now. You've guessed four. I didn't give you a lot of five. clues that time. I was kind of helping. Yeah. I, sh- I didn't. That's not against the rules. I shouldn't have told you it was a war movie. You've never established. All right. So movie recommendations this week. I am going with E.T., The Extraterrestrial, is the official title, and The Goonies. Um, I would also throw in Stand By Me, if you want an adventure film with kids. You haven't got Stand By Me. Yeah, no, we've done it already. I'm saying I'm going to pick yours also, but one of my additional ones is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, because it's one of my favorite Close Encounter movies, and it's got the, the weirdness mixed with this reality of a person and... You know. And, uh... Goonies. And... I am number four. Because the its creature thing is also revealed to you in this sort of, like, holy crap kind of a way. And I liked I am number four. It was, you know, has its weaknesses. But uh, I kind of like it, too. It tries to be grounded and have this sort of really bizarre thing going on on top. And so... I thought it was a pretty fun movie for a Disney movie. It was quite a different movie. yeah. yeah. Um... So yeah, that's it for our recommendations. Games and A-Schooly stuff. It feels like it is literally Game Central this week, right? This week and last week. I've never seen... There's so many games coming out, it's unbelievable. Mm, every year. Every year, happens. yeah. The, this November, the first week in November is like nuts for games. Anyway, what I've been playing this week is Uncharted 3, which I finished this week. Um, an amazing game. Best voice acting in a game this year, I think. Best performances in a game this year, I would also say. One of the most amazing things about Uncharted 3 that I liked was you play the second level as young... Um, Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake, 
20 years younger. I only know that from osmosis. Um, <laughs> and this level's done so well. You play young Nathan Drake, and it it's a level that you play with so you it's basically the how he became what he is just in this one level um, there's no gunplay in this level or anything it's just basically an exploration level but you meet Sully in this level which I've always wanted to know how he met Sully and why he hung around with this older guy what what the story was between them because they kind of allude to it in the other games but there's never any it's just like oh yeah remember this Nathan you know we did this together when we were when you were a kid and all that uh, but it, in the course of 25 minutes is how long the level lasts. It, they explain the entire thing and it just all suddenly becomes clear, the whole trilogy. Why? Why the relationship is like that? You know? He never, Nathan never really mentioned his family. You understand that he's a almost an orphan and he needs a father figure and... Sully might not be the best father figure because he's a thief, but it kind of makes sense. It all makes sense from that point on. I really liked how they did that. Then it goes on to be a Michael Bay movie, essentially, <laughs> like set piece after set piece after set. You saw some mm-hmm. of the stuff. You feel like you've been on an adventure when it ends. Um, the best desert level I've ever seen in a game. It actually made me feel disorientated. Did it you? Um, I didn't play it enough. You saw so it? I just looked at it a little bit. So I don't know. I wasn't in it, so I was just looking at it from a distance. I think it's different. You know the scene from um, National Lampoons where Chevy Chase is kind of a bit... It's the benchmark. Um, mm. Somebody losing the mind in the hot sun for me. It kind of brought that about because <laughs> they face you in different directions. You're walking. He's getting tired. They do it for a long time. You know? Like... Um, they do it for, I'd say you're wandering for 15 minutes with nothing to do. It's, it's a, I, I'm surprised that they left. I'm surprised that they made it 15 minutes. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, but that's no big deal. It's a massive deal in a game because games are about pacing. And if you're going to bore somebody, which your average person would be bored so by... So you think you didn't like it? No, I really loved how they did that because they threw all that shit out the window... That, oh my god, we can't have somebody walking for 15 minutes doing nothing. Because they're going to be bored, aren't they? They need to shoot something. Well, they just said, no, fuck that, because he's lost in the desert. So We're lost in the desert. Yeah, 15 minutes is nothing to somebody lost in the desert, right? right? You know, so you're going to walk for 15 minutes. You're going to be lost. And eventually, when you do find where you're supposed to be going, it's going to feel more like a payoff. Yeah. Um, I am... Um, I think it's really... It's a good Uncharted game, but I, 2 is my favourite. Um, I think 2 is the masterpiece of the series. I think this one, while it did have some interesting new stuff, I think the second one did it better. But you're always going to have a favourite. And it's an interesting... It's a different um, thing because... You know, you norm- when you look back at anything, you normally like the first one best, right? Movies. Generally speaking... Games it's it di- doesn't apply to husbands. Uh, you'll be happy to know. <laughs> and games it doesn't apply to. Me. I don't know what number three is going to be like, but so far number two is pretty good. Nice. If I go on to number three, I might look back and go, you know, number two is really... I've had a chance now to go on to number three, and number two is a lot better. It's too late now. But I think train, it, That I, train has sailed. <laughs> I think it works differently in games because uh, of technology. 
Because a movie is like a movie, and like te- technology in games, like maybe a Tomb Raider one it's versus my, the modern. It's not my favorite Tomb Raider because it's it was made on the PlayStation. It doesn't look very good. It's got really janky. But at the time, at the time, it was amazing. But we've gone further on, right? And but doesn't the feeling that is captured at that moment in time when you played Tomb Raider for the first time, or um, uh, zombie one or you know what I mean Resident Evil the very first ones the feeling and the experience doesn't that override this kind of bullshitty thing about well they look like shit now because they didn't look like shit then and it I, was I amazing. find it hard to play a really old game now and like if I had to go and play the original Tomb Raider but that doesn't take away the experience it doesn't but time. you can't have that experience now again you can't recapture it generally so yeah, Uncharted though the second one is the best one in my opinion. It's l- the most epic one in terms of places where it goes to. And like technology hasn't leaped that much since. It really hasn't. Right. There, it has a little bit that water level, especially in the boat where it tips over. It's it's incredible in this new one. It's over and above everything that they did in the second one, technology wise. But the actual adventure in the second one, where it takes you from start to finish, is more. Epic. And, um, well, better done, I thought. So that's what um, I played this week. Oh, I also played this small game called Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 that came out this week. I have the uh, Collector's Edition, Hardened Edition. And you bought me the um, Strategy Guide, the Hardened Edition Strategy Guide, which is like a hardback collector's... And why did I buy you that? I don't know. What well, did I say? Just because I'm good. Yeah, just because... <laughs> I thought we'd go out or do something on Saturday when I had off, and then I thought, eh, well, I don't really want to. What would I rather spend my sort of fun money on? And you were the beneficiary. So, thank you very much. You're welcome. And I played um, lots of Modern Warfare 3 this week. I actually looked at my timer, and I've played 23 hours of Modern Warfare. I told Purple Mongrel that it was also partially a gift for him for his birthday, because he would benefit, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> So I played 23 hours of um, online multiplayer Modern Warfare 3, and um, I honestly say it's my favourite one so far. How much time have you devoted to this marriage in this last week? All the rest of it. <laughs> uh, no, you slept a lot of times. Correct. I would like a counter, please, for the marriage. I would like the marital time that you've spent working on this marriage. So, uh, I mean, Modern Warfare <laughs> 3, it's a, it's a season of threes, it seems. Yeah. Um, Nothing original. It's that odd year <laughs> where everything's a three. I guess last year everything was a two. But yeah, it's a three. Um, <laughs> I just thought of a really good game. A marriage simulator. <laughs> a simulation. <laughs> where, like, um, you know, you're not like The Sims, but you've got, like, these levels of, like, frustration and annoyance and boredom and love and lust and all these things all over. <laughs> and you have to, like... Now, women... Might love that. Sounds boring. <laughs> Men will be can like, shoot stuff? where's the gun? Because yeah. I want to kill my wife. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you shoot stuff in it? <laughs> Only your wife. So, uh, yeah, Modern Warfare 3. Uh, not a lot to say about it apart from it's the best game. Uh, best in the modern... No, actually, I tell a lie. The campaign is not the best. I like last year's campaign better. Campaign is what? The story. The single-player mission. Okay. The... The bit that you play once and never touch again, generally. Uh, that's kind of how I see it. And then you go on to the multiplayer and play the multiplayer for the entire year. The only big hiccup is you get um, Call of Duty Elite free in the box, which I talked about last week. 
and that still doesn't work because their website it can't handle the load. So I can't tell you anything about that. All I can tell you is the multiplayer is the best multiplayer. It's really tight. They made the map smaller this year. Adds a whole new feel to the gameplay. They changed the kill streaks. There's new guns. Um, changed the kill streaks. That thing you told me. Yeah. Right. Made it so if you're not so good at stringing bunches of kills together, like, oh, I can't get seven kills in a row. I normally get two kills and then die. Well, in Call of Duty, if you get seven kills in a row, you get something cool, like a helicopter that you can call in, and the helicopter will shoot players randomly on the map, and you'll get the kills. Well, some people can't string together that many kills, so there's a new class called Support, where when you die, you it doesn't reset, so you don't need to get seven kills in a row. You just need to get seven kills overall in a match. You can die 50 times, but as long as you kill seven people throughout the match, you still get something cool to bring in. Now, players who are not can't string together big kill, kill streaks complained that they never get these helicopters and stuff, so everybody who's good at it win all the time. So they've fixed that with this support kill streak, which um, changes the game a lot, I think. Um... And they've, I'm on level 70. Uh, Prestige is at level 80 this year, so you can Prestige. Imagine if you're like an asshole pro player guy where you're not pro, but you sit in your bedroom and play countless hours and then you devote your whole life to this video game. And you think you can kick everybody's ass and then this changes it so that this is really going to change it. Yeah, like levels the field a bit. Yeah. Like so funny. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably pissed off about this new kill streak, aren't you? Because you're like, oh, well, they should be... Because your entire identity is tied up with being able to kill people in a video oh, game. Oh, they should be, uh, like, they're saying to themselves, well, that's not fair. I work really hard to get 12 kills in a row to get that really awesome thing, and they just have to, like... But they don't get the same options anyway. No, they get yeah. kind of a weakened version of the one that yeah. they can get. So, um, <clears throat> the other thing I've been doing this week is uh, I'm in the new dashboard beta for the 360. So there's a new dashboard coming to the 360, if you're not aware. Um... <laughs> Probably in a month, because they've just started this beta test with the beta test people. Um, so it's the new dashboard. It's kind of designed around Connect, which I can't really comment on because I don't have a Connect. But it's... I'll, I'll tell you what I don't like about it. The new look of the dashboard, and it looks very different. I showed it to you. Looks, think of the one in the living room and think of the one here. Mm-hmm. It's very, very different. This new one... And this is my primary complaint. is focused on you looking at adverts and focused on you buying new content as opposed to the old one, which is focused on stuff you already own. Right. So on this new one, when I want to... I've bought a lot of games on the 360. They're all on the hard drive. If I want to see those games and play them, it's about three menus deep. Right. On the old one, they're right there on the dashboard. Now... They've done that because they need the room on the main page to show you adverts. I'm not with that because I pay $50 a year to use yeah, Xbox yeah. Live. So why is it primarily an advertisement now? Shouldn't my subscription be free? So like cable TV is. I pay 100 fucking dollars a month to get my internet and uh, cable. And yet, while I'm watching TV, I have to watch, ad- have to watch commercials. They break in with the adverts. Yeah. Now, the other thing is... Um, there's other features coming to this dashboard that are not in this preview version yet. Uh, namely, YouTube is going to be on there, so you can watch any YouTube and sign into your subscription box and I watch. Thought it all. was already. Nope, that will be on. 
if you've got a cable company, such as our cable company, Mediacom, that partakes, and you already have a cable subscription, you can plug in your cable password details, etc., and you will be able to watch live cable TV through your Xbox. Um, doesn't need to be plugged in. It's IP streaming. So I don't know how much our cable company... It'd have to be plugged in. What? It'd have to be on the internet to do that. It has to be on the internet, but not with the cable TV socket. Cause just Ethernet. Yeah, it just comes from the internet. So you do have to be plugged into something. Yeah, it's not I'm, wire I'm talking wireless. about not... Like, yeah. normally, if you want cable TV, you have to get the cable from the wall and plug it into the television, right? Or the box. Right, so if your kid's in his room... Correct. Or you've got a family room that doesn't have a cable outlet, I can't imagine you how can it doesn't. You can just see it through the Ethernet. But if oh. you have an Ethernet cord for some reason, but you don't have a cable oh, cord... Right. Um, right. So, it's going to have this live TV feature. Now, this doesn't mean you can watch all of TV on the Xbox. It's whatever your company yeah, gives you. That. Now... As far as I can tell, our company will give us ESPN, big deal, <laughs> HBO, if you have an HBO subscription, HBO will work. Which we do not. On the Xbox, and it will be HBO to go, so you can just choose whatever you want, it's not have to wait for it to come on. Um, that will be on there. And um, there will be, what else is it? A bunch of sports channels, it seemed mainly. Movies on demand? No, because that would directly compete with the yeah. renting movies on Xbox Live thing that they That's already true. have. That's true. So, um, yeah, that is going to be new. YouTube is going to be new. Facebook and Twitter are already on Xbox. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff. Music things, which I don't even know what they are. Sports talk, radio, stuff like that. It all sounds cool, but this preview doesn't contain any of it. They're, they know their audience. It doesn't sound cool to you, though. Sports. Yeah, I wouldn't use any of it, to be <laughs> honest. I wouldn't use any of it. I don't use... You know, what I use my Xbox for, funnily enough, is to play games. <laughs> and I said to you, this new dashboard, the you have to scroll three tabs along to get to the game section. Like Because they don't want it to be a game thing anymore. They don't. They want it to be multi But to me, that's what it is, right? Entertainment play, thing. Yeah, so... I'm not sure I'm keen on the idea of shuffling Because they games. want me to buy an Xbox now. So you can me. watch your TV. So I can play games. Watch and YouTube. Watch TV. Watch YouTube. Listen to music. Um, get me a Kinect so I can get the Correct. games that I want or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're obviously gonna f- they've obviously got to market things at people. But you have to remember, Microsoft, it's a game system primarily. Mm, that's anymore. really what it is but it's not anymore though if you can watch anything you want now it's I'm sure not. the next one the new Microsoft console that will come out will be pri- not primarily focused on games correct I think it'll be focused on movies and music and then games third well they should be able to log in and when you set up your your what I call the desktop or whatever you know the first screen you see you should say you could be able to pick um, I'm a movie lover, I'm a gamer, exactly. I'm a sports fan, and then it has Remember sort of a this default top. template yeah. for you to pick, like like, like, I, that, I, like that thing on Chrome that we use now, that where we can pick yeah. the like I don't want to see thumbnails movies. of I don't the things care. we want, and you can right. put on there. I want my world, I want my I always call it World of Warcraft, <laughs> Modern Warfare. I want it right there, so yeah. I can immediately click it. I'm in. And then I also want my Netflix, and I want my YouTube, and I want uh, this sports channel. Yeah, like, you know, uh, like gadgets. Custom. You can stick yeah. Them on there. 
Yeah. Uh, that is not how it's like. They've arranged it in a certain way, and you'll literally be scrolling three pages to get to games, and then you'll be digging in three pages to get to the games that you want to play. Uh, unless it's in the tray. Because it's almost in the beta. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to... I think this is pretty much it. It li- literally releases in a month. you got to let them know, then. If you're in it, to give them information. I did, I did give yeah. them information. I said, uh, the games tab being the third one along is not good for me as a gamer, because... I know I only have to scroll three things, but then I have to go three in. And then, because I've got so many games, I've got hundreds of games, I have to actually, like if I'm looking for Burnout Paradise, I have to go all the way to Burnout Paradise. You know, it's it's kind of annoying. Can't sort them by the last time you Apparently, if you've got a Kinect, again, they want you to have a Kinect, you can say, play Burnout Paradise, and it will play it. That would be great. But I don't have a Connect, and I'm not buying one for that purpose. Would you ever? If it was like thirty dollars in a bag, and <laughs> I mean to use it though. No, because I'm not doesn't interested. Sound, in... First of all, I don't know that our living room. You'd have to have that curtain open all day, every day, if you want to use it. I'm not our, interested in most. Our living things. room is very dark most of the time, so you know. No, I wouldn't. If it was thirty bucks and it was just like a cheap webcam, and I could stick it on top of the TV and use it for that voice feature. The voice feature sounds awesome. I would, to me. but um. I don't want to dance in front of the TV. I don't want to... And it's still $100? 130 Right. It's expensive. I, I mean, it pro- I get the feeling it'll be built into the next Xbox. You won't have to buy it separate. It'll just be part of it. But we'll see. Ooh, that's not good for people with flat TVs. You can't have a camera on the box over to the side. Or no, I don't mean built into it. I mean, it'll come in the... When oh, you okay. buy the bundle, right, right. there'll be one in there to put on top of it. You know, it'll just be with it. How do people do that with their flat TVs? Uh, it, it, you can buy a stand where it fastens on the back of the TV and goes like a flat, and then you stick it on. Right. There is a, they've thought of all that. Yeah. Um, you know those four screws in the back of the flat TV that that make it fasten to the bracket oh, yes, on the wall. Yeah. yeah they, they go in between that and the stand. Well, so you'd have to unbracket. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Oh no. Um, so that's it for this week. Obviously, a massive week. But Tuesday, there's three new games out, so it's an even bigger week. There is Assassin's Creed 3. As you have listed as Ass Creed. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, what is Ass Creed? <laughs> and he's even listed it before Saints Row. It's like Ass Creed. There's Saints <laughs> Row the Third um, on Tuesday. Which More I'm, threes. Three, three, three. I'm excited about. Yeah, another three. There's Need for Speed the Run, which I'm also excited about. It's about number five, isn't it? Five or six. No, it's about nine. Oh, right. Um, and there is... Halo, um, and what they're doing this year with Halo, it's like an off year for Halo in my opinion, is that they've remastered the original Halo in high def. Halo 1. So if you're a Halo fan, you can play Halo 1 again on Tuesday, which I'm sure you've played a million times. You know what? If modern, if um, Call of Duty next year said, this year you can play um, Call of Duty 1 in high definition... I wouldn't buy it. Right, right. I was going to say, what about like Resident Evil if they remade that exact game, but in 3D and nice, Um, which they have done, right? You know what? I don't really care. I've already experienced it. Um, But Laura Croft, didn't they redo her on nice? They redid her, all of hers in high def recently. Um, I don't care. I've played them all. I know how it goes. Right. It's not the same, is it? But... Saying that, played Shadow of the Colossus again in HD. Correct, and that's kids' think that's ass, an, no matter what. It's an anomaly, that game, though. They I need to make another one. Seriously. He is making another one. need to make another one. The Last Guardian, it's called. It's and funny. I don't usually advocate movies from games, but the the idea of the Shadow of the Colossus 
as a movie, if you could pull it off and look as grand as you think of them being, oh my god, that'd be so awesome. So that's this week's games coming on Tuesday. Assassin's Creed 3, Saints Row the 3rd, Need for Speed The Run, and Halo... It's got a name. Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary Edition, I believe <laughs> is the real name. Um, but if you are a Halo fan, not to poo-poo it completely, it does come with a second disc that takes all the multiplayer maps from Halo that nobody who plays Halo probably played online because when Halo came out, Xbox Live was... Not many people had broadband. It was when the Xbox first came out. So those original maps you could play on Xbox Live, on Xbox One when it came out, but not many people did. Or you get a second disc which features all of them maps, but you can play them on Xbox Live now. So I'm sure Halo fans will get a kick out of that, because those apparently are some of the best maps. Hmm. And they plug in with the last Halo, Halo Reach. So you don't even need this disc, apparently, once you've loaded them. When so you play, is that how that world works? You people poo-poo on Halo, and Halo people poo-poo on you Call of Duty freaks. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there are some crossover freaks. There are crossover people who play both. And then there's World of Warcraft versus... What? Um, this The one that my niece likes, Ashley. Like two different wor- Morrow World or whatever it's called. No, different things. One's an online game, one's an offline game. Right. Uh... There's no online component to Skyrim or Morrowind. Oh, right. Or Oblivion. It's just us. A... I thought we played together. No. Hmm. We just both have the game and we're playing it at the same time. Right, right. There is no online. There never has been. It's just a set There's on no Ying to the World of Warcraft Yang? Um, Star Wars Galaxies, maybe? Mm-hmm. Like, there there are other MMOs that people sit and play. not really been into them myself. So that's it. Um, huge. Next week will be huger. If that's even a word. So what have you got for this week? What do you mean? What's for dinner? What do you think? Oh, yeah, this is oh, an interesting I know. story. It's a very interesting story. I was online the other day, or I was at work, and the one of my co-workers said, did you know there's a new Native American restaurant out in the sort of a... It's not a suburb, but it's attached to our town, but it's a small town out just a couple miles across the bridge, as they say. And I said, no, I didn't know about that. And then I went online to look it up, and then I found them on Yelp. Was it? No, Foursquare. I saw that somewhere on their Facebook page was a Foursquare reference, so I clicked on that to see what people were saying. And then off to the side on that, over on the very tiny right-hand side, it had, like, a comment. It said, like other places in your other near this location or something and somebody put um great to have i think it was biryani with your beer here in jeff city and i was like what because i know that's indian food and we 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 have said in the past yeah we have no curry restaurants in our town and we drive 33 miles 33 miles for a curry (laughs) well 66 miles right because it's 33 each way and i'm like what there's no Indian place in Jeff City. And then I went on there, and there was a listing. I'm like, it must be old. It's got to be closed by now. And then I found them on Facebook. And then this morning, first thing when I woke up or the, to this afternoon, I called the number, and sure enough. There's literally been an Indian restaurant for six, six months. months. And it's house. right up on the main street. And so we went and got us some carryout. And so far, I have tasted my korma, which was amazing. I Better can't wait to eat it all. Different, not Always better. Different. Same, but yeah, they're all different, I think. Um, yours, I tasted one bite out of it and tastes really good. That's not fair. Yours is uh, um, Alu Matar. A Matar? M-A-T-T-A-R, is how you spell it. Alu, which is potato and peas in a tomatoey sauce. And we got samosas, which we haven't tried yet. Vegetable samosas. We ate the papadums, which are these really crunchy 
thin... I think they're store-bought ones. Mm, I don't know, because I've only ever had the ones from that other restaurant. I've had a lot of store-bought poppadoms. But they're delicious, so I don't give a shit. There's nothing wrong with Because they're really hard to make. It's like saying to somebody, you better make your own... um, What's that? Puff pastry and stuff, because it's too hard to make, isn't it? So, I don't care. So we're going to have that later. Um, I made some extra rice, because that's the only thing so far that I would mention. They don't give you mention. very much. Yeah. People like me, my I, rice to stuff ratio is always more rice, less stuff, and yours is more stuff, less rice. Yes. So uh, we're going to enjoy it. we got nan bread, which I haven't even cracked open yet. I'm going to pop in the oven or warm it up. So that is what's for dinner. And it may get boring, because that may be what's for dinner for a few weeks. We're going to try different things on the menu. I mean, we got a curry place in our town now, <laughs> which we can take out from, which is perfect. Oh and they have vegetarian dishes. Yep. Which is awesome. And it's nice to go to There's an even a vegetarian section on the menu, which is rare. Yeah. Well, I think most Indian places have vegetarian, yeah, but well, not in our it's town. It's very easy to um, In our town, meat. it's hard to find vegetarian food. Yeah. So that is what is for dinner. And my other thing What's is... What's the uh, restaurant called? It is called Hot Millions Bistro. Correct. I don't know why it's Hot Millions, but I'm sure we could look up why. There's no information on the website about it. Um, and my other thing is the meaning of life. And it, you can take it any way you want. But we are not alone. Sounds like an episode of The X-Files. No, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that's not what I mean. All right. We, as an individual, human in this world, are not alone. Or we, as humans, or we, as a planet... Or we as... doesn't matter. Take it however you want. We are not alone in this world. I'm not even alone in this room. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. So, <laughs> sound like Fox Mulder. <laughs> no, it's not. That's what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with Fox Mulder. All right. So I want to remind you about our website. Say scully.com, sidtar.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook. Oh, I quit the Sim Social this week. I know. On Facebook. I sold all my stuff. Do you know what? I have actually quit... Facebook games in general, because mm. I always knew what they were. Oh, and this just flew in your, in your face, didn't it, that one day? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not stupid. I played Mafia Wars for a while. Um, and I always knew. A they, while? It was like two years. Yeah, and they wanted <laughs> you... They, they, I'd never give up to giving them any money, so I feel proud about that. But I did stay on the breadcrumb trail, which is literally what it is. One day I quit Mafia Wars, best thing I ever did. Play more real games now, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I quit Sim Social this week because they gave me this quest, and they give you quests every so often, and they say get five friends to do this, and you'll pass the quest, and you get this reward. Yeah, and I've always got the reward, and this one week they're like, here's a new reward. So do this five phases to the um, quest. So I do the first four phases, no problem. Fifth phase comes and it says, you've got three days remaining to do this quest. And the fifth phase was, get 60 friends to send you something. And I was like, hold on a second, let me just see how many friends I've got on Facebook. I've got 54 friends on Facebook. <laughs> so even if every single one of them played The Sim Social, I couldn't do this anyway. And then it says, why not go to our forums and recruit new friends? I don't want friends that are not my friends on my list. Yeah, we don't do Facebook like a lot of people. We no. only do people we know. Yes. So, I didn't want to do that. So then they then it failed. The quest failed and says, you cannot have this item ever unless you pay 200 gold coins for it. So I thought I was it was like, 12 gold coins. 200 for this one. Which is 
I think I worked it out, $75. No. There's no way they can make you pay that. No way. That's if you not. want it. No, that's You correct. don't have to have it. I don't think that's All correct. right, look how much two hundred comes. I think it's $75. Can't be. That's impossible. Nobody's going to spend that every time they get a quest. Well, every quest is. You don't is have a... to spend it. You know, should but... have done the quest. I know, but there's no way they're going to This is the last stage. This is them saying. There's you no can, way. You can even never have this item. Which is not... You don't have to have the item. I, I just could have swore the other day you said 12 whole coins for that. No, 200 it said. Right. 200 coins. And I had 20-something because they gave me some for free. But it was nowhere near what I needed. And 20-something was not enough. So I just uh, thought to myself, 200 coins, screw you. I'm not buying <laughs> anything from you anymore. And blocked the whole thing. So. You never bought any, though? No. Yeah. I mean, they gave you some free ones the other week, and that's all they had. I never even spent them. They're still there in that account, so... Screw the Sim Social. You I mean, can play Words with Friends. It's I don't fun. want to play anything on Facebook ever again. But it's fun. No, never. But it so, doesn't ask you for any money. I don't want to play anything. I don't want to watch any advertisements. Don't want to mm. do any of that. You do have to watch an ad yeah, every screw, game. Screw that. So, um, screw you, Facebook. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace. I'll just go to ascoli.com, click on the link podcast, uh, subscribe, listen. Do as you do. You can uh, email me at ascully at com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not want your noise. I might not get it, as we've discovered. She doesn't want your chat. Some email gets filtered by GoDaddy that I'll never get. So. Correct. So that's her excuse. That's my excuse. And um, I just want to say, uh, stay classy, Mr. Steven Spielberg. One of the greats in film, I think. In Some our people- generation? Yep. Um... Probably the best body of work, or most varied body of work, of any director I can think of. Very varied. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, everyone, and start doing it at a young age. Because if you don't do it, and find your thing, someone will do it for you, and find it for you. <laughs>